Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome. This is Goalmount episode five. Um, first off the bat, we're going to start talking about the League of Ireland and do like a rundown of the fixtures. Um, Bowles were playing at home last week and uh, Cork bet them 2 0. Heffa, you were at the game. How do you think they got on? Um, paradoxically, it, we played better than we did against Rovers when we defeated John Rovers, but we just couldn't get rid of chances. Um, Cork, again, two sloppy goals we gave away, but in general, our play was very good. Good at passing, we've just skill levels just the fact is we haven't got strikers up front to convert the chances. If we're in that position, it'd be brilliant, like, and we'd be doing better on the table than we are. So, a lot to be positive about despite losing the game. And hopefully, now on Friday night in, in Chicago, we'll get another three points because I think that if we play like we did last week, I think that make us a good chance of taking all three points. That's I was looking at an interview from Keith Long, I think he did it with the 4 2 or something like that, or Pundit Arena, and um. He was blaming fixture congestion, saying that they've like the reason that they lost and the reason they're performing so poorly is because they have so many fixtures. Um, and like I looked at the fixtures from Saturday till like the Saturday after they're playing, or the week after they're playing Pats, Waterford, Sligo, Dundalk, and Bray, in the space of like nine days. Um, but do you think it is fixture congestion, or do you think they're just absolutely terrible because they like they still only have one very little games this season. Yeah, well, see, one of the problems, again, as I said before, is that we don't we only have one proper recognised striker. But Dylan Watts is playing well at the moment too, but at the same time, like two of our strikers we, we had signed, um, Con, uh, Con, Swan and uh, Megerson, are both injured and they're still out for quite a while. So that's one of our problems, is that, we again, it's it's difficult because the manager has good tactics. He's got the team set up fairly well, but again, it's just the amount of times Cross come into the box and all it takes someone just to head it into the goal, and it's not happening. You know, we need yeah. to just continue. So, as I was saying to the lads last week, we need to go to Temple more. Get a few Gardaí or six for five, you know. <laughs> Maybe give us a bit of help, you know. I may be not quick about retirement, because the way we're playing, we're playing long balls in, like Chabotoni's do in Ireland. And you like when Kevin Doyle was there, if you're not tall, why is the point in putting in high yeah. crosses? Like there's nobody you, in there to actually Yeah, we know my height either and just kept getting headed out because you've got opposite defenders that are taller than you. And like when, when I was watching the highlights on Soccer Republic from that, that Bowles game, it was mainly just them driving down the middle. Like I said, there was a lot of long ball, but like when the strikers did get the ball, it was always outside the box and it was always them driving forward. So like, they don't yeah, really... And, um, Stokes seems to keep dropping deep, doesn't he? Yeah, but I mean, but the yeah. other thing that has to be said Looks too... Looks like he's getting frustrated like, yeah. in the sense. Yeah, yeah of course. He needs. It does, but also, in fairness, it has to be said, the Cork defence were brilliant. Like, they literally were just fantastic and they repelled quite a few attacks from ourselves that against weaker opposition, like a Sligo or a Limerick, we would have converted... I mean, that's it. I mean, the amount of tackles and, and their, their defence themselves, they're great at the borderline tackles. The amount of times where tackles are pulled off to other team players from other teams would have given away a free kick. They're just, obviously, the coach, the Cork, have them well drilled. And that was one of the things I took from that game was I think that Cork will do well this season because yeah. of that. They are going to continue to grind out games. Yeah, they're very well, very, very, very well drilled team. Like, when you yeah. watch them play, they're just, they're so rigid and, like... But also like expressive at the same time. They have a lot. They have a lot of depth as well. They can replace any player. Mm, yeah. They both can't really. Here, let me tell. You, let me let me ask you. What do you think of uh, Dylan Watts? What do you think of? Him? I think he's good. He's nippy and uh, he's got a bit of speed about him. And it's good. Like in a way, like when Sule was there last year. Unfortunately, he left. Obviously, 
similar enough thing that there's words about him as well that were given about Sule that people are excited about him and he seems to be hungry and that's what you want he's only yeah. on loan you know that I know, but it's all we can do. Is only two months left on his contract. I hope close. things go further on. But like, Jeez, as I've often said, you know, and, and, and other my mates would agree with me, <laughs> that you'd much rather have somebody with a hunger and desire who may not be massively skillful than have someone with skills and is a lazy so-and-so. It's also, seen that in the past. Sorry, it's also a worrying sign when you see um, a lone player doing probably being one of the best players on the team at the moment. It is, but then again, it's all about skill, skill levels. Like, I mean, it's like when Johnny Joyce you say about your man Paul Green. Oh, he gives his heart for Ireland, but it's crap. You know, that's the truth. If you don't have the skill levels, you can try they want, but you need to have that. You know what I mean? And that's something that we're lacking because we don't have the money to get players. Anyone you can get those half decent is shipped out because at the end of the day, they probably have a wife and kids and they need to pay a mortgage. I understand that. So if Waterford or, or someone else comes to them and says, look, we'll give you 500 quid a week to come to us. Of course they're going to take it. And that's um, Keith Long was saying that they might as well be playing, like they might as well be full time because of the amount of fixtures as well. So I know, but having the money to do that because I think look, Shamrock Rovers have after taking they got all that money from the Europa League, and I'm here to have to take a loan over a million euros with a bank. So you got to work within your means, and that's what we're doing, and that's what we have to do. So I know like, other lads online and our Paul's fans are frustrated. Uh, performances but I'm telling them look you need to cut your cloth to measure and we're doing that and I'm happy in that respect that we're still in a position where I think we will stay up despite the fact of having such limited resources oh, definitely getting relegated when you look at the team there's no experience in there they're not Diddy Corker yeah but what has he done so far Shane Supple he's been injured uh, Shane Supple uh, not, not fairness, that he has been great well he was in his channel before and he left as you know to come back and play Gah and he was actually number two goalkeeper for Dublin for a while for Dublin GA yeah, yeah but, but like, then he came back into foot soccer he can't score goals yeah, that literally was about to say. He can't score goals. I know, but still, but he's experienced though. Great having experience when nothing can be done with it, though, isn't it? Like they're they're more style over substance balls. They don't they don't have a lot there. They're like, oh yeah, the future, the future. But like for now, what are they gonna do? I understand that. I mean, that's, that's all the players will be sold as well. Well, they're decent. They, well, that's what happens. That's what happens. But until when the, when the new stadium is built, you know, then yes, we'll have more money in the bank, and then we can start to actually put together a proper team in the proper sense of it you know because that's the difficulty is like someone a Corcoran or something gets injured suddenly it's calamity like right. there's other teams like the Dock or Corcoran wouldn't have that as you just mentioned the stadium being built um, we'll come back to the fixtures in a sec but what do you think of uh, St. Pat's the 12,000 seater stadium that they're going to build it's going to be the new Richmond Park what do you think about that like, they said that or the chairman or something said that it's going to be uh, on top of a shopping centre on land that they haven't put a bid in for you and that they don't own like the Dublin County Council owned that land that they said they literally haven't heard anything from St. Patrick's Athletic. No, you see, with that previously there was negotiations mm. between parts of the council, but it broke down because the initial the initial plans were for a ten thousand seat stadium. Then the council said no in the land you need to have a community centre and other facilities as well as houses. So the maximum footprint for a stadium was eight thousand. The Pat said no. They said to like we're not moving. The fans and all said to Callagher who owns the club, we're not moving unless out of Richmond Park unless we get a 10,000, mm-hmm. at least 10,000 to your stadium. So this takes that away. Um, the plan's interesting. If they say it's going to self-fund itself, that's one of the things I'd need to look at and see what's going on there. But it's an interesting proposal all the same, you know? What do you boys think? Um, personally, I don't know um, if it will go ahead. Um, they're going to, if I am thinking of the right area, 
there's a lot of history around where the stadium's going to be built. Um, also, there's a lot of um, apartment complexes, uh, a lot of flats. So it'll be, it'll have to obviously be run by the community force before going ahead. Um, yeah. But being honest, um, the Richmond Park the, where Pats are at the moment, I I don't see a huge problem with uh, the stadium itself. I just maybe think it could be renovated, but who knows? Like they're obviously ambitious and they want to go and gather more of a fan base. Yeah, and you can't they don't really sell it out that much either. Yeah, yeah like so th- that's what someone said to him on uh was it off the ball, is that what's called? Someone said to him on off the ball they were like, um you barely even sell two thousand seats in Richmond Park. What how big is Richmond Park? I think it's three or four maybe. Yeah, they said like the the, bar- <laughs> the average attendance is like fifteen hundred or something like that. Yeah. Like, how can they expect to sell twelve thousand? But then the, hang on wait, but then the chairman said uh we just want to bring it up to a UEFA category three or something like that, so that we don't have to travel out to Rovers or Tallis Stadium to compete in the champ in the Europa League or whatever, and that they um, they have bigger sites than just. They haven't been in the Europa League in a while. Though. Exactly, that's what yeah. he was. That, that's what the interviewer said, and he was just like, "No, nah, no, nah, but we do have plans to be back in the Europa League." But like, what's the point of building a stadium if you're not? Gonna, if well, you're no, not you see, the whole thing about it is right is that they know right they can get the land for relatively half nothing right first of all because if they've agreed to build the council housing, but it's all about it's all about getting four blocks of very, of very high uh, towers of apartments on the existing stadium site. That's what it all comes down to. That's the reason why, primarily, to me, where the stadium is being, yeah. the new stadium is being planned. He wants that land that, uh, uh, beside the Kamek River to build those apartments. And cool. that's what it's all boils out to. Interesting, anyway. Um, also on that now, sorry, there's, I heard Tallis Stadium could be getting uh, a few... Uh, more seats built on it yeah. and then there's obviously daily mounts so it won't be just Pats that'll be uh, getting more the, fa- fans coming in yeah. uh, well that's the aim obviously that they have but like we just said there, with, they can't even sell out what they have at the moment but with other clubs like Bowes and Rovers they will surely mm, yeah and like it's very exciting moving forward for the League of Ireland from that perspective because yeah. like they have multiple stadiums now where they can uh competing like these big huge stadiums like yeah. there's Tala and then you said about Bowes and yeah. then there's like Richmond Park obviously um, so yeah it's definitely 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 exciting moving forward um, and then Dundalk league leaders they're league leaders aren't they yeah, yeah, they, joined, joined with Cork both at 28 points yeah so they, they drew at that last week to all with Derry um, Dundalk yeah so they're still unbeaten in the league this season like, do, like can anyone honestly see them not winning the league like I know they both them and Cork both have 28 points but Dundalk are unbeaten. Yeah. They just have more draws. That's why they're, uh, that's why they're, like level with Cork. But like, what do you think about Dundalk? Um, I think that they don't so well. Like it's, you'd only think that the likes of Cork could be, uh, an immense opposition that would be too hard for them to handle. But that being said, they just went up against Derry and they're not. Uh, they're not easy opponents, and no, definitely not. Like, like I take a draw of them any night, you know. And yeah, I think that it's gonna take some reckoning force to really, Top really them. have them go down and sink. Mm. It's like especially in that Derry game, like they've been, they lost six one, wasn't it, to Rovers earlier in the season, and since then they literally haven't lost. Yeah, it's ever since when they went back to the Brandywell. Oh, they were they weren't in the Brandywell no, at the start, weren't they? Redone, like. Yeah, like home and away, they've been they haven't lost. Yeah. Like that's yeah. unbelievable. 
Like, could they, like, the, obviously the top two are like Dundalk, Cork, and then Waterford are there, they're four points behind, but six points behind are Derry. Do you think anyone think them that they could uh, really get up there and challenge? I think they'd be, they'd be challenging for Europe, I'd say, but they won't, probably won't. I don't, I don't think they'd challenge for the league, man. Yeah. It's a hunker there, though, with Derry as well, and they're playing well, and that's the thing about the manager, he's getting the best out of the players and he's pushing them. And that's an important thing because even like when we saw them on telly against Pats up in um, the Brandywell, they caught Pats on the break. Pats a lot of possession and all that, but they're a good team on the break and they're able to just carve chances out of nowhere. But I think, I mean, you look at them, Doc, they've only conceded three goals so far this season. And yet when you think about the new players they brought in because players have left, gone to likes of Preston in England and the rest, and that was the question during the season, the mid or the pre-season, was they brought these new players in. Well, how long will it take them to adapt? And it's just, it just seems to fit in. Like, there's been no honeymoon period or whatever. And they've just played very well. Um, so they're facing uh, Cork away this weekend on Friday. Um, can anyone, what, what way do you think that, that game's going to go? Dundalk are, aren't they? Dundalk, is it? Yeah, Dundalk are away to Cork. Um, I can just see a draw, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so what score do you reckon? 2 all maybe. Oh, well, yeah. Especially with like Patrick Hoban and flying form mm. as well. Yeah, what do you think? Uh, it's hard to say. Like I said it previously, Cork seemed like the only opposition that could really challenge them. So I wouldn't be surprised if I did see Cork go out and beat them. But yeah, yeah, I'll, probably a two-all draw. Oh, that's mad considering like they've only conceded three goals all season. Yeah, two goals are gonna come in this game. I, I think the same thing. I, I only I can see a two all draw as well. It'd be a draw, I think. Yeah. Yeah, same. They're just gonna cancel each other out. Yeah. I can see a draw as well. It's one of those hot fiery games that, on the one hand, you see a draw, but I could also very much see the chances of uh, either side having a player sent off or something like that. You know, it's one of them games where you're just the emotion, the adrenaline is there. Yeah. And if someone could rashly just attack from behind, and then it could. So that's going to be, be a draw, but it could also be that if one side loses a player, then it could, it could turn it on its head. Do you know what I mean? And whoever was to lose that player, I think, would find themselves in the losing end of things. So I'm going to move on to uh, Rovers, Shamrock Rovers. They drew last week 1 0 with Limerick, and then they were beaten in the Cup by Longford 1 0 the other day. Uh-huh. So, that, <laughs> so uh, yeah, their, their form has been terrible. The last five games, they've lost four, drawn one. Um, that's including losses against Dundalk, Bowes, Bray, and now Longford. They really started off so well for the season as well. So mm. they were playing really exciting football as well. But like, mm. what's it, Miele, 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 and like Daniel Kerr and your man Bulger has been mm. brilliant as, Bork, well. Like, as well. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah top scorer in the league, mm. eight goals. But like, they have, there's no point in having all these great attacking options if you can't defend for anything. Like they've been terrible. They lost uh, Trevor Clark to injury. Mm. He's out the rest of the season. He he's great. Like so. But your they man, have, they have to play Luke Bourne. He's not great. And Ali Gilchrist has kind of flopped. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Wait, I'll um, okay, I'll talk. Uh, I think on, wait, wait. one of the things. Wait, there's a wait. How do you put a marker? Uh, FA or just right click. Um, yeah. yeah, I think they like they've scored twenty goals so far, but over half have been scored by just two players. Greenberg scored eight, Daniel Carr has scored four, and that's not a good thing on the side. That if either of them get injured, they're in even more trouble. I think also, um, like they signed six quality players in the pre-season. Should be doing a lot better than they are. And the amount of money they're spending, I mean, I, I could say their wage bill is not far off of, of what Cork and the Dock are spending. Yeah. But they're not getting, they've spent this money on players over from Scotland and all that, and they're just not getting the results out of them. But it's like someone said during the week about Benger, so a journalist on the radio saying that, 
when she looked at Arsenal and she realised they weren't playing for the manager it was time for her to go yeah. and I think it's the same thing with Bradley he's a coach he's a Samuel Lee he's not a manager yeah like they have all the quality there it's just the strategies and the tactics aren't really fitting the players are they because he's not a manager like Bradley was an underage coach at Arsenal before he came to Rovers yeah. he's no real experience of actually doing managerial and I just think that's it they just have all these players and again also the problem is when you have certain players who are of certain quality egos get in there and it's managing those trying to keep harmony in the side and he's not doing that and it's, I'd say I wouldn't probably be surprised if they're ribbing with a lot of infighting so in that team do you think Bradley's going to go? Well, I hope not, because I, I'm loving this. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so we'll see, but... I think... The um, question... Sorry. Uh, I think also, if any flaws happen to his attacking force, then he's definitely screwed, because there's also, like we mentioned, his defence and his goalkeeper. Goal mm. um, like, if you, we mentioned that player, Brandon, uh, Brandon Mayle, is it? Mm. Uh, like he's a nice player. He can play out on either side of the pitch, and they need that kind of flow out on the wide wings. And if they lose such a key player like him, then I can't see him staying for long. The manager. The question mark is, as always, is one thing firing them, but can they afford to fire him? Because you know, if if the club is in debt, as some are saying, then if they let him go, how much money do they have to pay? That could be the could be one of the reasons. So you're uh, suggesting that they got him on the cheap. No, it was just that they that they can't fire him because they can't afford to fire him. Because they can't afford to get anyone else in. So oh, you they think can't afford? St- no, they can't afford they can't to pay afford. like his uh, termination fee. So you think they're stuck with Stephen Bradley? Hopefully, yes. <laughs> right, moving on. Um, Waterford have been unbelievable. Um, four points clear at the top or behind the top. Um, they bet with Bray three 0 last week. Next week they're got they're at home to Sligo. Um, yeah, and they bet Cork in the cup as well. Uh, call it to Connor Doofus scored after extra time Corny Doofus that's what I said <laughs> no I didn't really but whatever uh, yeah and then they bet them 5-3 on Penos so like do you think that they can push on or like how do you think they've been playing so far because I've seen that 62.5% of their goals come in the last 15 minutes so like they're they really kick it into goal or kick it into gear at like the last 15 minutes of each half um, they just it seems like they kind of takes them a while to get warmed up but once they do like nobody can stop them like they're unplayable once they get going and warmed up I think? think they heavily rely on um, Harry and Ibarra yeah so yeah. when they were suspended they, they did kind of struggle although your man so, come on or he played the game the other day that game their winger Faisal Kazmi he scored two goals in the last game like you were saying that they what's it with Bashaniri not there and who was it, who else was it? Uh, Stanley Ibarra yeah, but like he he really stepped up to the plate. Although, well, where has he been all season? Like he hasn't been playing at all, and then all of a sudden he just yeah, showed I think, up. I think they only signed him this season. I think so. He's probably just gelling into the team and getting used to the surroundings and the surroundings and stuff. Yeah. So, and another thing, all their losses have come away from home. That's another big. Yeah, big just the RSA is a fortress. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the scrap? Did you see the scrap that happened between them and Cork? Oh, I love seeing John Caulfield getting put in his arse. It's really dope. What was he doing? Like, what was he doing? Going, like, he's going into tackle by Bastianeri on the edge of the pitch. Like, what's he at? He's a big fella, Bastianeri. Yeah, you really wouldn't. No. There was uh, six sending offs in that game. Know, Four man. players and the two and the two managers. Was there any uproar with the crowd? Did any jump onto the pitch? Right? No, there's a like a run track. So yeah. there's a bit, of, bit of separation yeah. between the stands. Yeah, and the you would think that would stop the Cork fans. Yeah, that, that's true. Actually. <laughs> 
the RSC yeah it's a council ground so they're, they're renting it off the council the Rovers are doing with Tata Stadium but I think also wow fun wow. fact <laughs> but also you see the thing about it is that they need Europe they need to get a European spot because Power Lee Power has put a whack of money into that club and the problem is that you know he's not going to have he obviously wouldn't have bottomless pockets so they need that to keep it going because they don't get Europe if they finish outside the European spots they're going to be in trouble because the thing of it is then where is the extra resource going to come for an extra to keep that team uh, going as it is because don't forget as I said before it wasn't that long ago they were in administration and threatened with exposure from the league for not having money so time will tell but I think um, another thing that's interesting was what do people think of Rich McCabe's goal? Oh so the ball's moving me, me and Sean were talking about this earlier mm. and uh, the ball looked like it did just stop dead it did. Do you think otherwise, Connor? Yeah. Yeah, shouldn't have been allowed. What? It was amazing, but um, I don't know. It's just the ball was moving. By the letter of the law, it wasn't a goal. It shouldn't have been a goal. So. But was it moving? Yes. That's it. Like you don't. At the end of the day, you can say it was moving. or wasn't. It was moving. You don't know. The ball was rolling. I seen the logo on the ball move. Yeah, but like. The ball is moving. He throws it out and it spins. And then literally, as he's swinging his leg... It's like a millisecond. Yeah, it really is. Like, it's that close. The ball stops as his foot hits it. And then but it goes over. But the panellists on Soccer Republic said the same, that it shouldn't... Technically, legally, by the laws of the game, no, it shouldn't have been allowed. Some goal but I'm glad they did, because it's cracking a cracker goal. Unbelievable. Yeah, goal this season, for sure. Oh, what a goal. Yeah, like Dan Crowes against Pats back in the day. It was much like... Um, Conan Bourne's last season wasn't it in that in his own half like oh yeah just brilliant yeah smacked it great goal smacked that goal upset you last year didn't it what the Conan Bourne's goal was that against Bowles oh I know such is life that's it but look we march on we had that game I, 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 I go to all right. home games and t- oh yeah that was uh, Pats yeah um, so moving on to Pats anyway um, seeing as you said brought up Conan Bourne Uh. Yeah, they bet Waterford last week 1-0. They're, they're doing, like, Pats are all right. They're very inconsistent with the way they're playing. It's how, how do you average. Yeah, it's very average. Should be doing a lot better, I think. Should be doing a lot better. Like, but it, they're struggling against the big sides. Like, it looks like they can't actually finish out games. And, like, the championship winning teams, like, the best sides are the ones who kick into gear in the last... Uh, the last minute of the game and I, I found this stat online and it's crazy in the last half an hour of every game they haven't scored in the last uh, they haven't scored only 15% of their goals have come in the last half an hour game so 85% of their goals have come before the 60th minute what like what does that actually say about St. Pat's they just probably lose the focus towards the end of the match it's almost like they get complacent towards the end yeah. of the game they're too comfortable. Yeah, like... What was that stat again? Can you read that out? 85% of their goals come before the 60th minute. Like, come on, like, you know, man. That's... The first hour, like, you have another half an hour to play, like, mm. with extra time, injury time, whatever, you know? So, uh, you can't just even pinpoint that for a certain area of their uh, team. Mm. That's a whole team, you know? Exactly. There's not enough persistence or spirit if you want leadership yeah yeah you could even see that when they played balls at the end um, towards the end of the match balls kind of came onto them they just, the pads weren't doing that and they were just defending like yeah. sitting back just accepting it and then balls like kicked up the pressure, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
But like I was looking at their strikers and Dean Clark is their top scorer with three goals. He's but a winger. He's not even a striker. What does that say? Like three goals coming from wingers because like the other winger is the other winger Conan Bourne. Yeah. Yeah. Like both of them are have three goals each mm. and like so a striker the nearest is like one goal or something like that. Um, I think also I think what happens is unless because then like the manager's there so long right yeah. and you've coached with other clubs and after a while of being in the club a while other teams get to know your tactics because you fellas in the background there's much to tell you otherwise they're reviewing all the video footage and that's one of the problems I think they have is that teams now know exactly what kind of way way is that uh, Buckley wants to play and they know then when they see a team sheet, oh, he's going to do this, he's going to do that, because he's there so long. And there's, I think the element of surprise is gone because they don't have the resources to go out and, like, bigger teams like Real or Barcelona to oh, go out every year. Hey, we were talking about, like, Cork in the dock. <laughs> I know, but what I mean is, like, to go out each year and buy, like, five or six new players each season or refashion the team. You know, it's one or two uh, decent additions a year, if even that. So, by and large... You know, it, 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 after, as I say, the day so long, other teams now suss them out and that's going to be more difficult for them because teams come prepared and, it, you know, that's the thing with, with yeah. their tactics and all. So that's why I think it is harder for them to win out games because there's no, I don't know whether, obviously Buckley hasn't got any, his box of tricks has been well used. And all their losses have come against the full-time teams who do have the the resources there to research them more in depth. Like they've lost the Cork, Waterford, Rovers. Than Dark and Cork again. Are past not full time, right? Yeah. That's like what's, yeah. what's going on? Like, yeah. They do pay their players, but like what's I don't know. Yeah, anyway, so uh, like so far in the season, I mean, overall compared to what you might see in other leagues, there's been an average of two point four nine goals per game, hundred and fifty two goals scored. Which is like slightly it's a worrying thing in overall in football in general that that's seen as the higher end of things spreads in other leagues in Europe where it'd be lower. So, but uh, like back in the day, I'm sure the 80s and even back before that, they would have seen higher goal averages. And it's another problem, I suppose, with the, the game overall is that the enjoyment is taken out of it. That in a lot of games, there are one nils or whatever. And that's a sign why people aren't going to games. You see that, in, especially in the evening in the English league as well, tenants are way down. That, the, that you know, and that's a how can you address that is something that I've often wondered. So, um, do you feel like they'll beat Bowles this weekend? Bowles are travelling to Richmond Park. I think no. I think um, oh, if I we played like we did last week, you think Bowles will do them? Mm. I think so. If we played like we did last Friday night. We can and will do them. We beat them three one last season. After we won it down, but Sule was there and they couldn't handle them and they kept fouling them outside the box and that was one of the things we kept getting good set pieces and that gave us a platform to get three goals. We haven't got Sule this time, so they're not under that constraint. What so score do you think? What score? I think it'll be either two, one 0 or two one. Yeah, I, I'm going to say 2-1 balls as well. Especially once they get going. like they're, Pats aren't going to be able to handle that. Yeah. I think it could be a draw. Oh, really? Yeah, I think both teams are struggling. Um, you could probably say Pats are maybe down a little bit better. Not by much. Yeah, uh, Yeah, it'll be a tough game. Both will have a point to prove. Uh, probably be a dog fight. Like, there won't be much in it. It'll be a goal... Uh, between them I say mm. so yeah it'll be a tough game to, it'll be a, uh, a compelling and uh, entertaining match to watch as well yeah I reckon if um, if Pats play on Garvin and sent them in I reckon Dylan wants to be too much for him to handle well so on Garvin is very uh, I don't know he's just he's stuffed like he doesn't seem to be able to run yeah. <laughs> he's stuffed <laughs> he raises that aka slay off the chocolate bars is that what you're saying he's, he's real um, 
Flimsy as well. <laughs> <laughs> He's stuffed and flimsy. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> Listeners, you should be in the shooter here. It's a great uh, uh, demonstration of a flimsy person there by Connor. Shout out to Alan Garvey. <laughs> Carvin. Exactly. <laughs> Garvey for Carvey. <laughs> so, uh, Pats played Sligo last week, and Sligo are eighth in the league. They've had one clean sheet in 12 games. Um, and they failed to score in six games. They're very, like, they are guaranteed to go down, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And as well, I've noticed that they keep swapping their goalkeepers. So, like, they've played 12 games and each keeper has six appearances each. Who would you playing? Slingerman and who? Uh, Slingerman and Beanie. Beanie, I've never heard of Beanie. Mm. But, uh, yeah, like, they're very, I don't know, they're very, I don't know what. Don't know what it's not a good thing for defence when you have to keep swapping goalkeepers. Exactly. Oh. Okay. I mean, see the same with Rovers as well. Well, Manus is coming back, actually, by the way. They're, they're, resigned, they're resigned him at the end of the season. He's coming back with St. Johnson. She had the goalkeeper crisis. Because the crucial thing I've seen over the years, I know, with Boston, I watched them, when you have a good goalkeeper, it's annoying. You notice that defenders go more, you know, more play more forward, and at least to more uh, shots on goal. Because when the balls are coming back in, they're further up the pitch, and they're able to then launch the ball more into the box. That is a crew one of the crucial aspects of having a, a good goalkeeper. Besides the fact, obviously, yeah, saving great saves and when, when there's one on ones and all that stuff, and that's something that a team needs. And then if you don't have that, you find that defenders play more and def- obviously further back. And then often when the ball gets hoofed away from the opposition, it's lying dead in the middle of the pitch for a couple of seconds. Mm. And then the midfielders of either side then go chase it. And that's a problem for teams. And then you find then that they'll have less chances on goal, which equals obviously less goals scored and uh, means they lose more matches. And like because they keep swapping out players, especially up front and at the back as well, um, it's like they're trying to get their leadership from their midfield. There's a player called Dave Cawley. And he's played every minute of uh, he's one of those players to play every minute this season. Um, but like still they can't they can't do anything. So yeah, not looking not looking hopeful for but I think Sligo this weekend going away to Waterford as well. So no way they're gonna they're gonna be able to handle Waterford. But it's a resources thing as well with them that they just haven't got the money to attract the kind of talent that you'd need to give it to have a decent stab the league. Because last year they nearly got relegated as well. They were lucky, like it was only like two games to go or so. That results went their way. The other opposing teams, you know, lost matches that others may have thought they won, and that was one of the things that happened. So they were lucky last year; it was out of their hands. But fate intervened, and they they stayed up. Moving on, we're going to talk about Wes Houlihan. He has come out and said that he's looking for a new challenge, and he's going to be leaving Norwich in the summer after three hundred and fifty-one appearances and fifty-three goals. Um. He also got back-to-back promotions with Norwich, with under Paul Lambert in 2009 and 2010, from the League One to Championship, Championship to Premier League. Um, he penned an open letter to his fans yesterday, or the day before, talking about it, and I'm just going to read it out here. Um, it's been a great 10 years. I've thoroughly enjoyed myself at this club, and it's going to be an emotional day on Saturday against Leeds. I'm looking forward to it, and I've got a lot of family coming over, and hopefully they will enjoy the day out. And hopefully we'll get the win as well. I spoke to my family last week and it'll be great to have them over. I just want them to enjoy it because they can't wait. My 10 years have been brilliant with a lot of ups and downs. To get promoted three times and to, and to have played in the Premier League for four years means that Saturday is going to be an amazing day for everybody involved. For the last 10 years, the fans have been amazing with me. Every time I've come off the pitch or come on from the bench, they've always roared me on. Getting a bit choked up here, lads. <laughs> I've really enjoyed the experience we've had with them. 
Hopefully it'll be one last great day for the fans on Saturday and everyone will enjoy it. There are a couple of great moments that really stand out for me against Portsmouth when Simeon Jackson got us the goal to take us into the Premier League with David Fox whipping a great ball into the box. It was just brilliant to see the ball go go in and win the game. Do you want a tissue? I do want a tissue. This is sad. <laughs> it's the end of an era, that's... And Wembley, to play in a game of that magnitude and to have all 11 players on the pitch play their best games in such a complete performance as we won was amazing. It was really enjoyable and what a great day, great, great day it was for the fans too. It had been a tough season before, having been relegated, so to see so many there in such huge numbers was amazing. On Saturday, the most important thing is to win the game by putting in a good performance. I'd love to score against Leeds to finish it off on a high, but it would make the day a lot better if we won. It would be great to go out on a high with a home win for the fans. It would be strange to leave the club after 10 great years, but you have to move on. The fans have been amazing to me, the club has been great, and I'm going to miss the place. I just want to say to the fans, thanks for the support, because they've been amazing. Even through the, up, even through the downs, they've always turned out. In my first year here, we were relegated, but then you'd walk out into League One game in front of 26,000 fans. It's one of the best clubs in the country, and the support is always brilliant. Um. Then he went on to say, I look forward to the next challenge. It goes by so quickly. Um, time flies, but I've enjoyed every minute of it. See you on Saturday. So he's facing Saturday. Facing Saturday. He's facing Leeds on Saturday at 3 o'clock. And it'll be his last home game. Where do you think he's going to go after? I could see him going back to Scotland or the League of Ireland. Maybe. Um, there's an expert who was close to him. He's like a journalist who said League of Ireland is completely off the cards. So. and that uh, he thinks Birmingham are going to take him so like next challenge might necessarily be abroad but like it could be within the yeah. within the same league what do you think Ivy? Um it would be interesting if uh, he did go to Birmingham uh, it just shows the tenacity that he has in in his uh, playing ability uh, how old is he uh, 25 35 36 yeah like to like Birmingham would be a tough team now if he did go back to Ireland it would maybe a step down from Norwich obviously but yeah, uh, yeah it just shows the the adrenaline and the spirit he has in his game I don't think he'd be known well enough to go over to America yeah Um, yeah. but yeah I say another championship or league one team would be most likely on the cards you know Interesting that he chose to leave Norwich because of the esteem that he's held in my fans I mean the stuff that was said about him on Twitter was something else Something else, but uh, I think um, that had he stayed, he, I think he could well have ended up in a coaching position or something after football. So it's uh, interesting that he's chosen to leave now, because as I said, that could have happened. So because he's, as regards what happens when he retires, that's a bit more up in the air now as a result of trying to find another team. So time will tell, you know, how things will get on, and I wish him all the best and thank him for the great work he's done on the Ireland jersey. Can't say much more on that. That's coming. So yeah, that, that, that was, that's the start of the Irish Republic of Ireland talk. Um, we're going to move on to, anyone who's watched the West Ham and Arsenal game at the weekend. There was um, a lot of controversy around Declan Rice and his attempted header. Um, so like, what's it, the ball broke out to Aaron Ramsey on the left wing and he whipped it in and he went to head the ball, but Joe Hart did shout something at him and he ducked and then the ball just ended up in the back of the net. How do you feel? Like he is only 19 or 20, isn't he? Yeah, but mm, Joe Hart showed away. Mm. So, generally, that means to get Fair the ball away. away. Yeah. It's just, um, so. in my opinion, 
an amateur mistake. Like you said it there, he's only nineteen. Like it's he's only young. Like he's gonna there's still gonna be mistakes that he will make throughout his career. Yeah. Um, I don't mean this is gonna be the start of a, a long run of mistakes, <laughs> but you wait, because he's so young and he's playing at such a high division like that. Mm. Um, and he's he's consistently getting started week in and week out for West Ham. Uh, it is a lot of pressure and like uh, when them type of scenarios come at you that quickly, you have to react first, then think later. Yeah, exactly. So it was just a mistake, uh, an error. That's how you learn from it. Like, yeah. You learn from all the mistakes he makes. But, I think it's a fortunate what happened there because you know, I think it's, I mean, Moyes gave out to him after to gave him a roast. But at the end of the day, you're trying to have a bond between yourself and the goalkeeper so you trust your goalkeeper. Your goalkeeper needs to know that you trust them and vice versa. The goalkeeper called for it. So you're going to assume the goalkeeper is the best place person to take that on. Right, that's the first thing. But also, I mean, look back at two years ago when Shane Duffy had scored two own goals in a red card three matches. People said, oh, the guy's gone downhill. Oh, he's going to be nothing now. He's wasted. But look at him now. He's brilliant. Like, he's just one of the players that you're just... You hear, you hear prior to an Ireland match, he's got a bit of a niggle and literally you're lighting cans in the church, hope he's going to be fit, you know, because he's that important. I think Royce will do that as well. He's a good player. And I think what we need to look at is that Moyes is to look at the guy's 19. Look at his brought to the table so far. And I think I know Moyes were doing a bit of tough love. But as was said by commentators and journalists, you do that. Like Alex Ferguson over the years, he did that in the dressing room, away from the media, didn't make it public. And that's what should have been done. I don't think it did West Ham any favours uh, in Lambaston out there in front of the, the, the press. He was definitely wrong. Like He did come out literally in an interview and just slate him and said he needs to learn quick. Like He, does he, need, like, he does need to learn quick, but like he, he's only 19. Like, give him a chance. Yeah. But the goalkeeper, again, that's the thing at the end with the Harvard honest, the goalkeeper called for it. If the goalkeeper didn't call for it. He said away. But like, yeah, he did say away, but like he, he did shout something. At, why did he have to shout away? He was going for the ball. Well, that's Joe Hart. He's crap. Anyway. What, yeah, exactly. Joe Hart has been so... so what, it's what keepers are taught to do. Shout away if you're not coming for it. Mm. And shout keepers if you're coming for it. So, he's a muppet, Joe Hart, in the story. Wow. He's just doing what he, what he trains to do. F.O. England number four now. <laughs> <laughs> or like England number 40, the way he's playing at the moment. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on, we're going to talk about Shani Maguire. He's been in unbelievable form since he uh, since he joined Preston he did have that injury but he has hit double figures now this season um, in 17 starts he has 10 goals um, what do you think of him is he is he the next Robbie Keane or like what's what, what's the story what do you think the first Shani Maguire maybe he's um, like after that injury obviously you just said it um, it was like an injury is obviously going to dwell with a player when he first comes back, how he's going to perform. Um, so for him to come back and then come with such a significant number like that, 10 goals after seven day appearances, yeah. it won't just do him well and his club, but if he ever gets a call for Ireland, that confidence will be transferred to the national scene also. Yeah. like There was doubts about him when he did leave Ireland. People saying, oh yeah, he's great in Ireland, but he won't be... He won't be great when he goes to to England, but like he's he proven them wrong, isn't he? he really has. Like he's just continued his form. He scored twenty goals. He scored twenty goals in fourteen appearances last season for Cork. Like. Mm. 
So he has just completely continued on his form. Um, he's in danger of becoming a super sub, though. They keep using him as a sub and bring him on, Scarly. He has been starting a lot, though. There was them first few games yeah. where he's coming back, but he has been starting a lot since. Um, but he, since then, he hasn't actually scored as many goals when he's been starting. So yeah, you're, you're right, there is, a, there is a bit of something there. But I, I found this interesting. There was a I was comparing him to Robbie Keane before the show. And um, in Robbie Keane's first ever English season, with Wolves, he scored 11 goals in 38 games. And then when he was the same age as Shani McGuire is now, 24, he also scored 11 goals in 35 games for Spurs. So, like, there is comparisons there, and there is a shout to say that he is already better than Robbie Keane. Do you think? I think um, Robbie Keane was playing in the Premiership, though. Yeah, that's a top, like, club that he was with. Um, not to say that Preston are, like, are a bad club or anything, but... Uh, there is a huge jump and divergence between both leagues that both clubs are a part of. Um, who knows that we could embark on a career uh, much like Robbie Kane scored mm. just numerous and an abundance amount of goals. So yeah, I think Preston still have a chance of getting the playoffs, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So they're very close. He could be playing the Premiership next season. Mm-hmm. I think we said with the Kane thing that you have to think back to what the sports side is like. If Kane was 24 now in that form, in the sports teams there, the players they have, that they're getting much more ball into the box to five better players, I think he's going to score a lot more than 11 goals. But back then, if you look at them, the reason why only 11 goals were scored is because you starved of the ball. And there yeah, wasn't as had, much chance. on the wing. <laughs> yeah, the thing, and they didn't have, like, so they weren't getting the supply. You give them the supply, you'll get it. And I think... Um, so that's to me like what happened. But uh, Maguire, yeah, I mean, we need somebody up front, and it's great to have him. And uh, hopefully, you now that himself and Walters with Ireland may start to gel together in, in that setup, you know, because and it, I think one of the things that potted for me is that Walters is a great player knocking the ball down and setting it square for a striker. And Maguire is just the type of player with the speed and the vision to go and just take on a chance. And hopefully, you know, that that will work out well. Because, and all don't forget, during the summer, he'll have time then for them to bulk himself up. Because you have far better facilities, obviously. He's proper stocky already. Know what I mean? Like, you have proper facilities that to get that extra bit out of him. So that when it comes to, you know, the autumn and the and the next qualifiers for Ireland, he's going to be a bit more, uh, he'll have a bit more fire in him then as well. He'll be, you know, that'll be good come the, uh, the autumn. He will be a bit old, though. He'll be, why is he now? 25, I think. 24. Shani McGuire. Yeah. I thought he was talking about Walters. Yeah, Walters is like 34. Yeah. So it, yeah. it could be more like a passing of the torch kind of thing rather than like a, a partnership. I think they're, they're, there's too much of an edge gap there to form a partnership consistently because like Walters won't be playing for much longer and Shani McGuire has like a future ahead of him with Ireland. Whereas like I think someone else, maybe like was it Patrick Hogan who committed it to him? Or was it Hogan or something? Hogan. Hogan. Scott, Scott Hogan. Hogan. Scott Hogan, yeah. Maybe them two could form a partnership because they look very well together. Yeah. yeah but, but in the interim, while Walters is still there, He's still a great, as a great knack of just nipping the ball down. Because the amount of times when David Dallin Murphy was playing for us, and again, great balls were headed down, and he just wasn't there in the position. He just wasn't in the place to connect to the ball, whereas Maguire would be. He has that fire and desire, and he just has that skill is about he, him. Is he and, taller, John Walters? Is he? Oh yeah, he's a great, He's just that kind of guy that's able. Yeah, he's able to just. He, he's able to tire above the opposing defenders, and he's a great knack of just connecting with the ball. And that's going to be, I think we will score more goals as a result of having Shannon McGuire on the team. So moving on, Heffa, you have something to tell us about the amazing women's national team. Well, they still are, uh, well, of course, to take a, at the very least a playoff place. 
I mean, Northern Ladies, they played very well against the Netherlands. And we're not in any way overall by their, on paper, far superior full-time opponents. I mean, one thing that showed us, I was at the game, and the amount of, like, people with clipboards with, you know, wearing uh, rain jackets of the Dutch Federation were taking notes and all, analysing stuff. They have all this spirit, and yet they still played extremely well. It was too soft enough, it was soft enough goal to give it the first one, and the penalty shouldn't have been a penalty in my view. And also Ireland should have got a penalty themselves and didn't. Um, I think that was two brilliant goals as well. The South beat Slovakia previous to that. They have two really tough games coming up against top seeds Norway, playing them back-to-back on the 8th and 12th of September. It is good, though, to actually have a team in the World Cup, or potentially being in the World Cup this year, seems just the not men's national team has just been such a letdown. Um, yeah, Conor Bell's done great stuff with them. Like he's obviously a former with uh, the women's side of uh, Frankfurt. He won the, the the women's Champions League, so he has form and he's somebody a great game players gone. So um, obviously uh, we'll move on to the Premier League now and the latest news coming from it uh, during the week. Sorry, was uh, Arsene Wenger uh, declaring he'll be resigning at the end of the season. Um, what do you make of that? I for one. To be honest, thought it was inevitable. Uh, I actually thought that's how he was going to go out. Uh, too much pride, to be honest, uh, rather than getting the bullet, you know. I think it should have came sooner. Yeah. Long time coming, kind of thing. Yeah. They've been, they've been struggling for a few years now. Yeah. I think last year would have been like, yeah. the best time. Like, he, he had brought in Lacazette last year and he was like deemed to be saviour yeah uh, he didn't know much did no he? he was getting played out of position as well mm-hmm. still is yeah, and even Obama Yangson's coming in in January he scored in nearly every game but he, I feel like he had been playing out on the wing as well he, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> what's, what's, what's the story of managers doing that you know, bringing I, th- I think he wants to, to play with Lacazette oh, I, I heard an interview with him he said that so he wants to create the next Thierry Henry kind of thing yeah probably or no he did the opposite didn't he winger Just to striker yeah, that's mm. what you did. Yeah. Mm. Just won't walk though. No, I won't. Um, I think the first thing to say about this is that it was pushed rather than inside the goals. They're trying to make it out now that I've tried to leave myself, but it became clear that Kronik, Kronik, the um, chairman of the, or one of the, the the owner of um, Arsenal, just didn't want them anymore. So we realised, right, either I jump myself or I get pushed. But I think the simple things are, the people obviously don't forget he was being the most successful Arsenal manager in history, far surpassing anyone else. I mean, the, the the way of football they played when he joined compared to previously with under George Graham and all, no comparison. I mean, he revolutionised training methods for the Arsenal team, brought in all things about diet and all that and everything else that other teams since have since obviously taken on board. Um, he's also, the fact is that he got players from obscurity for half nothing. Likes uh, and over the years, and he managed to like sell them on for massive profits. One of the problems, of course, for years is that he just didn't have the money because they're building a new stadium, and that was one of the things with fans that he wasn't prepared to spend money that um, he didn't have. You know, they would have liked to get the quality in the team. I think one of the things that I think problems was that he could have stepped down maybe even a few years ago, but I think he thought to himself, Oh, I'm going to bring in the next crop of players, I'm going to do this, and it didn't work out that he brought in some new players, got him some newer players, and didn't do the job he thought they would. And uh, just they needed they need a new fresh impetus because, as I said earlier on, it looks like the players weren't playing for the manager. He needs something to shake it up now, and needs a bit more of a surprise element next season with a new manager, where other teams won't know what to expect, whereas by and large, they did this season. 
and that's why I think in the last especially two or three years you found Arsenal struggling against some of the smaller teams because they had the measure of them they were able to to a certain degree to a fair degree you know understand and work out you know, the tactics and all they were able to counteract that so on that now who is uh, the favourite to take the job uh, there's a few um, Sky Sports I think there's eight managers that you think might replace them so there's Luis Enrique Carlo Ancelotti Joaquin Love Brendan Rodgers Thierry Henry Patrick Fieri Allegri and Arteta so who do, who do you think would be the most likely it seems like it's a a done deal with Luis Enrique pretty yeah. much um, Arsenal's head of football in the past has been involved with Luis Enrique at the Camp Nou and even Arsene Wenger has come out and said uh, I have a high opinion of Enrique and that uh, he doesn't want to influence the job but he would kind of suit it kind of thing um, so it does look like probably was well, he not saying that he had no input over who was yeah, yeah, yeah. but he did also say that like he does wait, wait, wait I'll tell you exactly what he said he said I do not want to influence the job but the manager of for the next manager but of course I have a high opinion of him like the fact that he's speaking so highly of him as yeah. well feels like he's kind of he's the successor um, so it does look like it's Luis Enrique I don't think he'll do well at Arsenal really? yeah I don't I think he I don't think he should have got the credit he got for what he did at Barcelona because uh-huh. he took over after that like the crazy system that Pep Guardiola set up that's still going on I talked this before but like Pep Guardiola set up this system and Luis Enrique just kind of took it on and carried the ball a little bit in, like, exactly yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think he's as good as. I think he's an. He definitely won't be a right fit for Arsenal. Definitely. Not. What do you think? As one of the questions for me that looms is: Is he actually is Wenger actually properly leaving the club? Right, because you remember when Ferguson stepped down for United and Moyes became manager, he was looming large there, and everything Moyes did, paper sound all there's Ferguson, more Ferguson do, and I, it was the thing that Moyes didn't really have the his full. Um, of his own resources to be able to do what he wanted to do because in the background was always Ferguson you know what I mean and still giving a certain amount of input so I think that's going to be something that's crucial I think it would be a good thing for the club for me if Fenger completely just stepped aside and moved away and got a job elsewhere because if he's still in the background like it was at Moyes it's not. It's going to be a difficult factor for any new manager coming in um, and it is definitely the right time because Arsenal this season in 2018, they have not secured one point away from home. Yeah. They've lost to Bournemouth, Swansea, Spurs, Brighton and Newcastle. Like They've lost to teams who are in a relegation battle and they're supposed to be challenging for like top four. It looks like they're not even going to make Europe next no, season. It's, it's Isn't it confirmed actually that they're not going to make Europe think, next season? Know, yeah. Yeah. Well, they'll have, to, they'll have to win the, the Europe Europa League, League final. Yeah. But it's hard to think that this is a Wenger who, Arsenal's, who had an Arsenal side that was the only team in history to have gone through a whole Premier League season without being defeated. You know, I think that it was well said by some Arsenal fans that were interviewed on BC5 Live. Yes, it's the right time to go. We're not happy the team are playing at the moment, but we're forever grateful for what he did. I mean, I always have the utmost respect for him for what he did for the team up to now. And um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who comes. I thought Simeone would have been a great manager for them. Mm. But... Obviously, that's what you're saying, uh, Connor. It's not going to be. I think that the style of football that Etico play, I think, would have suited Arsenal and the players they have. And it'd be interesting, like, for example, McCarry and things like that. What happens next season with him? They need someone in. Again, if they, need, if they get uh, the Riga or someone else in, again, it's into the fast flow of football. I think they could do better next season. 
because I think he's underperformed at the moment because he's trying to get used to the systems and all that. And it's interesting as well because Eddie Howe is now the longest serving manager in the Premier League. Um, but moving on, City are now the league champions. Yeah, they've been absolutely amazing from the get-go. Like, mm. Is anybody actually surprised that they won the league this season? Not but, at all. But you look at this simple stat, right? Manchester United have only conceded one more goal than City. Yet City scored 23 more goals than they did. And this that's why they're currently 16 points ahead in the league. That's yeah, they have an average of 2.9 goals per game. And it's just a whopper. Um, and I have some stats here. Aguero has 21 goals. Sterling has 18 goals. De Bruyne has 8 but 15 assists. Sani has 9 but 12 assists. Unbelievable, isn't it? Like, and, and I didn't even mention David Silva there. Or like no. Bernardo or what's it, Jesus. Yeah, and some of them were included in the PFA team of the year. Exactly. And rightfully so. Like, uh, I'm most impressed with Kevin De Bruyne. Mm. Um, with his assists uh, and like you could just turn on a City match and, you, and when you see him start and if there's, there's going to be a goal it's going to come through him exactly uh, it always does like a lot of them goals the steering scored uh, came from him from De Bruyne yeah, yeah. That's he, he's played 36 true balls this season which is the most and it's 9 ahead of the nearest which is Sanchez and he's done nothing Sanchez this season like um, when you think of players that are worth like a hundred million, and all, he's close to it. Definitely. Yeah. Um, he also is an eighty-four percent pass rate, and uh, he actually in in the is getting loads of praise this season, and because it is like probably his la- it is officially his last season at Barcelona, and uh, the fans are like applauding off the pitch for his performances and stuff. But he is outperforming Iniesta with, mm. with, according to the stats. Mm. And he do he's very like Iniesta yeah. in the way that he controls the yeah. game and the tempo and like the flow and everything. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, like maybe he he should have been snapped up by Barcelona rather than Coutinho because he does remind me a lot of Iniesta as well. Yeah, with his true balls and just the way he can control the game in the center of the pitch, but also yeah. up front as well. Exactly. Yeah, he's very very good. Yeah. Um, and as well, like from the back to the front, they've been. They've been stellar. Uh, Ederson has 16 clean sheets, which is just one behind the head. Mm. Um, their defence has been a little bit rocky, but when you look at like the way they're all involved, like Otamendi and like Kyle Walker and all, they have been involved with literally every single play. Everything comes from Otamendi and that team. He has the most passes in the Premier League this season of any other player. He has like 3,000 or something like that. And like, that, just, that, that's, that speaks volumes of the quality that Pep Guardiola has brought in and the way that he's positioned his team. To go on and win the league, um, and he is doing like what you done with Barcelona. Like I can't I, like City are probably going to win the league next season as well. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't see any team bringing in a new manager who's going to just completely change around the team now and bring in players who can go on to challenge for a title. Unless it's maybe like Klopp with Liverpool. That's the only other team who I can see challenging seriously. Like because United are on the down, Arsenal are on the down, Chelsea are Chelsea and. It just <laughs> it's also the fact that City have all this money that you often hear in the past to trying to sign some player from another team and the chairman of the other team will go oh no unless we get an offer we can't refuse it's going nowhere whereas Gary I was like yeah that's grand here's the offer you can't refuse thank you very much you know what I mean there's, they have all this money to spend though, to win a league yeah here's I know the defence as well I mean the Kyle Walker has been brilliant and it's just in defence at back they spent the money and that's one thing that's slightly annoying to me is that again yeah they won the league but they've spent their way to the league. They'll continue it as well, though. That's going to be their philosophy now. They'll 
pay their way to bring in the best players if they have to. Yeah, and to and a lot of clubs are starting to latch on to that because they're yeah. starting to realise Liverpool is one as well by bringing in that centre-half Virgil van Dijk mm. for £75 million because Jeez. if you want the best, you have to do it. Exactly. And thinking Liverpool, do you think that uh, they could catch United? Because we look at the statistics, right? United drew five games this season, Liverpool have drawn 11. Now that's 12 points dropped in reality. That could have had them like nine points in United at this stage. And well, you know, so that's something whereas... Well, United have a game in hand, so it'll be tough to see. You'll just have to keep close tabs to the rest of the season, see he'll make the first mistake and he'll benefit through it, you know. And even when you look at the uh, Premier League season since Christmas, it spores on top and Liverpool are like two places ahead of United. Like Liverpool are second and City are third and United are fourth. Yeah. So like, I think Liverpool will finish ahead of United. And deservedly as well, deservedly. Next up is uh, Mo Salah, and he's just been given the awards now, deservedly for his stellar season. Um, what a player! I remember at the start of the season, I was talking to somebody about the signing of Mo Salah, and I was completely like, "No, no, no! He's a flop. He's been a flop at Roma, a flop at Chelsea, a flop everywhere he goes. Just a floppy fella." And he proved everybody wrong this season. Forty-three goals and thirteen assists. He's joined with Alan Shearer and Cristiano Ronaldo for 31 goals in a in a single season. He is still three off Andy Cole, got uh, 34, but like he's up there now with Alan Shearer, Cristiano Ronaldo, and Andy Cole in the Premier League. And and now he's after getting the PFA Player of the Year and the African Player uh, Player of the Year. Might be might be up for the Ballon d'Or. Should he be up for the Ballon d'Or? That was my question. If he keeps his form, definitely. Yeah, like um, he, if Liverpool do end up going to the final Champions League we should definitely be in in mm. contention anyway definitely if they win it if they win the Champions League I was yeah. like you though um, Hayden even I think it was Roy Houghton and the telly didn't know he mentioned that fact that when Liverpool signed him on online forums and all that a lot of Liverpool fans are questioning saying oh is this a risky signing is he going to do anything for us what's the target spending 30 million someone hasn't been proven and look he's just he's just literally blossomed and he's been just brilliant you know, bargain, the bargain of the season in many respects the money for what they spent on him and it's, it's, so the question then is how long are they going to keep him for that's another thing that I don't personally at the moment see him going at the summer this summer possibly the following summer he may well go I think that because um, you have the likes of Barca and they're kind of settled with their team they'll give it a season one more season and if he does the same as he has this season then definitely he's going to be on the radar do you think that will happen Sean? Um. I think, yeah, it's going to be inevitable until he does leave. It won't be this summer. It may be... I, th- I don't know. Like, I think he might want to have a point to prove that this season wasn't just like you know a fluke or anything like that. I think he wants to show that he is up there with the best, so he might stay for the rest of his contract at Liverpool. But I, I can't see him going anywhere less than Real Madrid or Barcelona, the Giants, basically, mm. but... Um, I agree with you. Yeah, like even saying it, it, it hurts, but I say he will eventually move on. It's like a teen, you know. Like, yeah, it was hard to see him stay at Liverpool forever. Um, that being said, he's not playing very well for Barcelona. He's not getting played, but it was hard to see Coutinho stay at Liverpool. Same with Salah, but mm. hopefully we'll get a run out of him. You know, Egypt could surprise people at the World Cup and could get results people weren't expecting because he's that good. That all they need is maybe if they even got two or three chances of going and he's the guy in front of the ball, he'll stop them home. 
with that form, you know, they could they could win games against the runner play, play all at defence as they have three or four chances to go on and win a game two one. I just uh, want to say one more thing about him. I think that recent performance in the Champions League against his old club Roma was uh, basically summed up his entire season. He got two goals and one assist, uh, two assists. Sorry, two goals and two assists. And um, like you're talking about a winger uh, who was damned as not meant to shine like the way he did this season. Um, exactly. I did think that he was going to do well, but no way that I feel, think, sorry, that he was going to have such a season like this. I don't think any football fan did. Just <laughs> trust in Klopp with his signings, you know. And I think he does, he, as you said, he does trust in Klopp a lot. Yeah. Uh, it would be great to see him get to the Champions League final. Yeah. And uh, I can't see Roma coming back in the second leg. I oh, know, Liverpool are a bit shaky towards the end of the match. Yeah. Uh, they... They were like that over the weekend against West Brom. Again, they became complacent and they allowed them basically to score. Um, so we should all watch that match because I feel like it's going to be fireworks at it. There's going to be more goals whether they come back with the with the comeback yeah. or Liverpool uh, have to fire back. Do you think Liverpool will go overall defensive? Or... No, I don't think so. I think that they are going to go with the same mindset like they did. Uh, to be honest with you, I thought they would have been like that at Anfield, mm-hmm. try and get one goal and then like uh, close all close all the doors in the back. But no, I feel like uh, I think they need to go to Rome and like go out all out at them and try and get a couple of goals. You know, yeah, getting away goal and then yeah, yeah, like that's it. If they get one away goal, I'd be comfortable. But still, I feel that. Defence is too, uh, too shaky when it comes mm. to these type of events and they can't allow goals. It's like the best form of defence for Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we, we should mention that in that game, an Irishman was attacked before it by two Roma fans. Um, Sean Cox from Mead. He's in critical condition in hospital at the minute and there's been tons of support pouring out from even from players like Jordan Henderson the next day and... Uh, the Ox, since being injured, has come out and and supported him. Uh, so I think all of us here would like to wish him the very best yeah, in the yeah. future and a, and, a, and a quick recovery. Yeah, definitely. There's not, and I that have no place in the game, regardless of what, what league you're in, and I think that it's soon it's stamped out the better. And it, it is really sad, because like, Liverpool did play brilliant in that game. And it is just a game at the end of the day, and... This fella's life is in danger now because of, because of a because of a game. It's very it's very sad and it's very disheartening. Um, like why would any Liverpool fan want to travel out to support their team in Rome now? Because like there's a chance that their life is in danger. Like it's very pathetic and it's just not fair. A 53 year old man travelled over from Ireland to England to support his team. Mm-hmm. I think in the past, if I'm not mistaken, that there were United fans in Rome in the past who also had been attacked. Yeah, uh, previous uh, previous Champions League games between Man United and Roma, so you know the fortune their fans have form in this regard, and it's and it's just you know the club obviously needs to do more. Uh, uh, Roma needs to do more to stamp it out. We're gonna talk about last night's Champions League game. I know sure we'll talk we'll talk a little bit more about the Liverpool game. Um, so yeah, like I, I was in work when it was on, and someone came up to me and told me it was it was five nil to Liverpool. I, I I didn't believe them at all because. Like, because Roma bet Barcelona in the in the the game before that, and I honestly thought Roma were gonna 
just push Liverpool aside and go on to the final to fight Real Madrid uh, to duke it out. But you're right about Mo Salah. And like the, the front the front three have been amazing all season. Like Mane, Firmino, Salah. They have they're very strong at the back as well. Yeah, so I I, I as you as you were saying, they're definitely gonna go on to the next game and do some uh do some damage and th- their best form of attack is to attack. And uh the yeah. best form of defence is to attack. Yeah, that's yeah. I think they have to, you know, like um like the defense just won't be able to cope if with the attacking force that realm is gonna provide because you know that they're gonna come out guns blazing, you know what I mean? So exactly, and Jekyll will cause a problem, yeah, for, like, especially for Lovren. I think struggle against him. I think uh, they underestimate him all teams yeah. that go up against him. Like, he is old and he's tough and he's big and like he's not the fastest, but mm. like he was. Banning out shots from the 18 yard box and they weren't expecting it. Like, exactly. the carriers keep the keep. I was like, didn't know what was going on. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, you can get a goal out of nothing. So, if they go in with that attacking mind force that they had towards the end of that Liverpool game at home, then they can get the goals. And it will obviously be a problem for Liverpool yeah. if they go out again so complacent and feel like they have it in the bag and they're yeah. halfway to the final. And Edin Dzeko his link up play as well is, is brilliant like he is very dangerous in front of the goal but his connection with the other players is great it was a, it was a, I think he got an assist for one of the goals the first goal where he played the ball over the top yeah 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 and, yeah. and that was off his weak foot as well was he a part of that penalty as well was he the one who took the shot that Milner handballed I don't know but I don't think so man. I know yeah coming from that yeah he, he can link up and he can shoot he's just very underestimated as a player. So, uh, what did you make see? And I think it could have been about eight or nine. Liverpool could have got about eight or nine. My name is a few chances. Yeah. And the offside as well. I feel uh, Roman had a few chances mm. as well. But yeah, Liverpool. Uh, I think my name is about three in the opening twenty minutes of the game. Ballooned them over the bar. Oh my god, that was going crazy. I was because like that, those were the goals that they needed. They needed to score an early goal and then. That would settle the nerves in some aspects, like because then for the rest of it, it was a dogfight up until Mo Salah scored that first goal that yeah. just went under the bar. <sighs> that goal then kind of made them think, okay, we're ahead, but now we need to keep going. And they did, he scored again. And then I think you could argue and say that's when they got even complacent, even though they scored more goals. It looked like it was a mess about up until the second goal. They kind of done messing, like flicking the ball about. Yeah. And uh, like one Yalm who came on for Ox, like he was he was kind of messing about. He lost the ball a few times. He did play a good game. Uh, but then the defence on Roma even seemed like they kind of like just let allowed it then. Mm. They allowed the messing and that's how they got the goals then. Yeah. What do you think of Karius? Do you like have your has your opinions of him? change you think he's a better goalkeeper and, or do you think than he was maybe a few months ago or are you still concerned I think Liverpool should buy a new goalkeeper for next season um, no I'm quite content with him now at the moment yeah um, I don't know about how he was feeling he's improved drastically yeah, yeah he has he's, yeah. He's not as, he doesn't seem as nervous now or something yeah he showed that clock really did see something in him you know uh, I'm just glad it's not Mingley that's n- the relied number one now because He's not good enough, you know, man. Like it's been shaky for years, yes. Yeah, like and the fact that you have a shaky goalkeeper as your starting number one, it's just it's not good enough, especially if you're going 
and they're trying to push on to win the Champions League, you need to have some reliance uh, in your net. Exactly. And yeah, Carius, yeah, I'm quite content with him, yeah, so. The other thing I noticed in the thing about Dzeko was, like, he didn't, uh, as time Man City, some argue that he wasn't up, up to par, others argue he wasn't given enough chances, that he was decent, but it just he wasn't given enough game time. I don't know what people. I think, think I think he was good enough. Yeah, uh, I just don't think he was given the amount of chances that he deserved. The amount of strikers that they had at that time as well. They mm-hmm. had Aguero, Balotelli, Jacko, and one more striker as well. I can't remember. Tevez. Tev- yeah, Tevez, exactly. Okay. Um, They're all gone, Barrett Aguero now. Arguably, out of all of them, the only one who is world class is Aguero. Yeah. And he's, he's said, done that again. Jacko wouldn't be far behind, though, I wouldn't say. Uh, I don't know. I don't yeah. think he's no. world class. No, look, he's I think good, he's good, but I wouldn't say he's world class. He's been hot and missed to a degree. Because look, we played Bosnia Herzegovina, played Ireland there, right? And the same thing, all the talk about Zeko is going to tear us apart. He was largely anonymous. So I just don't think that because someone, like, to be world class, you have to be like a Ronaldo or an Aguero. Week in, week out, you do it. But there have been occasions where Zeko, well, I will say, a clear example was in the two legs against Ireland. He was by and large anonymous. You know, whereas Aguero just wouldn't happen. So obviously on that note of the Champions League, uh, we had that giant game last night, Bayern Munich versus Real Madrid. Um, Obviously Madrid coming out uh, with the win in the end. Uh, Hayden, uh, what did you think? Did you think that Madrid were always the favourites to go in or did you think Bayern maybe slipped up? I think uh, Madrid were always going to be the favourites going in because especially... They've had a much harder route to the to that game. They had PSG and they had Juve. Yeah. And they're the only team to ever win two back-to-back Champions Leagues as well. So they're going for the tour. Um, so Bayern did have a bit of a challenge, even though their, their quality is just as good. And uh, the, the two teams kind of cancel each other out as well at the same time. like the, the, the play between players was unbelievable. The quality of that game was great. Like it got, the game got a lot of criticism for being boring and stuff but I didn't think it was boring at all because it was just pure football from the get go both teams were at 100% right from the start and there was nobody was lacking like everybody was given everything and then when uh, the ball was given out to Kimmich on the right hand on the, on the right wing when he just went past Marcelo like the ball was played in past Marcelo he just blasted into the net but like ah uh, no not, yeah, I was about to say Keller Navas no. absolutely should have saved that yeah. his left hand his left hand went past. Like, what was that yeah, about? No, I think he, he thought he thought Kimmich was going to cross. I think, and he kind of anticipated and moved, and then I think Kimmich. I can think Kimmich actually miss hit it. Yeah, I think he, he tried to cross it. When you look at him, he does look across the yeah. box, but then he does take a glance at the keeper as he's shooting. So mm, yeah. who knows? But like, maybe it's, it's very clever play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Giving them the eyes, but it was a great goal, brilliant yeah. goal. And then I can't remember who scored the first goal for Madrid. It was a Marcelo again. It was Marcelo. Yeah, it was Marcelo. Yeah. And then uh, that was some goal. Yeah, when Marcelo, whew, like the ball just dropped and he just caught it perfectly, and he was just standing still as well. He yeah. wasn't running, wasn't moving. He standing still. He just took a step back and boom into the bottom right corner, and uh, it went into half time, one all then. But again, as well with the Marcelo goal though, the the very defence were a fault there. To, I think to a certain degree too, that they could have take should have decommissioned the ball when they did. And then they left the space there for Marcelo to take it. At that level, you're playing a Champions League semi-final. You know, someone should have connected that ball and got rid of it, and they didn't, and they were made to pay for it. So, do you think Bayern were unlucky? Um, the injuries to Boateng and Robin early on? It's terrible. They're forced into Very it. Very sad. I think Muller got injured as well, didn't he? He did towards the end, yeah. But it, 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 did he carry on? 
I don't know. I think, you think you might have came off. I don't know. They cut. Yeah, you could argue saying they were yeah. unlucky, but um, the winning guy was obviously from Marco Senzio. But Bala. yeah, like you had, like we were talking about before we even started. Like he was deemed as gonna be the next big ten for this season for Madrid. Uh, obviously, Devon had a great season in the La Liga, but you have to anticipate and appre- like almost apprehend yourself for what he's going to provide because it was last season in the Champions League where a lot of the play came through him. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that he should have expected the goal that he scored against them, but uh, that f- that could be a factor with them missing defenders to why he did end up scoring. And <clears throat> you were saying to me beforehand that he did a chip... Rodriguez out to bring in like Zidane did ship Rodriguez out to bring in Asensio and give him a go mm-hmm. and he hasn't really given him a chance and Isco is struggling to get the team as well and that speaks volumes of the quality of Real Madrid too like the fact that like one of their best prospects two of their best prospects can't even get into the team and they're probably True. two of the best Spanish players around right now True and part of this just the old saying of old players come back to haunt you Cruz played very well he did play very, very well. well and even the way he was an architect of a lot of the, 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 the movements and a lot of the forward play and pressure that was put onto Bayern and I think that showed like that the guy is there obviously outlined he is world class and he outlined it again yesterday that he just took a bit of scruff the neck seemed unfazed by the whole occasion and just basically gave another storm of performance would you say he's the best centre mid in the world oh Modric Modric is in my opinion they're a bit different, aren't they? They Those are very ones. different, yeah. Like, Modric is kind of more like an Iniesta type. He controls the play. Yeah, and he runs around a lot more as well. He's more like a Paul Scholes type. Yeah. Uh, but, like, Tony Cruz is more of, like, a he pinpoints the passes. He's not as much yeah. of a grafter as He could play deep if they think, wanted him to. I think his, his positioning is probably the best thing about him. Cruz or Modric? Cruz. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't really have to run that much. Yeah, he's he's always in the right place. Exactly. Right mm-hmm. And I was watching Modric's movement last night as well, and he was just always... Like getting into free space, constantly getting into free space, looking to get on the ball and looking to like string passes together. Uh, Modric is probably the reason that they did win last night because mm-hmm. when he's on the ball and when he's on his game, he, there's nobody else like him in the world. Um, but yeah, it will be interesting going into the second leg to see uh, who does get the upper hand in the second leg because um, Madrid are at home. It isn't the Bernabeu. Bayern are travelling. Uh <laughs> So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting. And who who have you got for the for the final? Who do you think is gonna be in the final? And who do you think is gonna win? Um, I think Madrid and Liverpool. Um, I I, I don't want to sound too biased. I hope Liverpool win, but obviously Madrid are gonna be in pursuit for that tour consecutive uh, Champions League. So you can't rule them out at all. So exactly, I'm gonna go with um, I. I know this sounds weird coming from a United fan, but I would love to see Liverpool win the Champions League. Yeah, we'll mm. never hear the end of it. Never hear the end of it as a United fan. Oh, yeah, remember the time we won the Champions League 2004, 2019? But, like, <laughs> they're unbelievable. And especially players like Mo Salah, Mane, and Firmino, they deserve, and Klopp, they deserve a Champions League. Klopp, this would be Klopp's second Champions League, will it? Yeah, Champions League I think one? so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, they played against Bayern yeah. in 2014, I think. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, my... Um, like my brother and my brother-in-law are both big Liverpool fans. My heart says Liverpool. My head says Real. Give them a shout-out. Yeah, my heart says Real, so that's the thing. Like, so you have to What's the names? Give them a shout-out. No, go on, leave Give it. them a shout-out. Paul and Ian. Paul but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. But the thing about it is, though, I think that, my, as I say, my heart says Liverpool, but my head 
oh well we look at the the team that Real have and the subs bench and everything else and they're just the players in general I just think that to me yeah I just think Real will nick it that's my that's what I hope not but that's what I think all things considered so moving on we're going to move on to uh, that kind of wraps up the football talk really that's Mm -hmm. That's the Irish, uh, the League of Ireland, the Republic of Ireland team. That's Champions League. That's the Football League, English Football League, and that's the Premier League as well. So moving on, we're going to talk about our moments of the month. Uh, I'll kick it off with you, Sean. Well, um, per se, mine wouldn't be a moment of the month, more of a on the bench, but it has to be the regulate regulated Sunderland now. Um, Obviously, uh, we weren't shocked last season when uh, they got re- regulated. It was um, relegated. Relegated, thanks. <laughs> we weren't shocked when Sunderland <laughs> got relegated because, uh, again, it was inevitable. It was the past few seasons that it looked like it was going to happen, but I don't think uh, anyone anticipated this at the start of this season that they'd be relegate- relegated. <laughs> Jesus. Nobody would anticipate that they'd be relegated. Going into the going into the season, that's two seasons in a row. Like, how many times has that been done where a team has been relegated to the championship and relegated to League One? They're gonna have so two, much two, two other times, I think. Has it? I, I was wondering that. I can't. I can't remember who was Blackburn. Oh, was maybe good while ago. Yeah. Um, was that Blackburn? I seen it. I can't remember. But there was only two other teams that happened there. Mm. Jeez, that's mad. And like, they're gonna have so much problems now. Yeah. Like, they have that huge stadium, and they have like some player. There's some players in that team who run like eighty grand a week, isn't there? Think so, yeah. yeah, there's a few. Jesus Christ, Chris Coleman has got from here out to zero and like that. Mm, exactly. You know what, I mean? like, what, what was he thinking? As someone said to me the other night, he said, uh, like, all oh, the other jobs that came available after that, he could have taken. He's just too hasty and just got rid of it. Like, it's just, I don't know, what's the story now with it with him? Because he has to stick with that gig because who wants him on to employ him mm. if he leaves Sunderland? So, he, you know, time's going to tell. Yeah. What, what's your uh, moment of the month around the bench, Sean? Um, well, my on the bench is quite funny. Was that when United or City were playing Liverpool, and it was on RTE, and the first half they kept saying Jesus, Jesus is on the ball or Jesus crashing, but you know it was the second half. Meaning Jesus, uh, like yeah, whatever. Yeah. But uh, second half they kept saying Jesus, and he was really careful saying it, so you just knew the switchboard in RTE was only about half time, half time going. Oh, that's sacrilegious! No, you can't be saying that. No, I pay my TV license. <laughs> they can't have used the Lars name in vain. That's terrible. No, I tell you, terrible. <laughs> Ray Connor, what's your on the on the bench? Our moment of the month. Uh, mine fits into both on the bench and moment of the month. Right. Um, so Firmino has made more tackles than any other defender in the 2017-18 season. Um, he's the first player in over 130 years to create 50 chances and make over 60 tackles. So it's just it's like, what are the, def- the what's the defenders that yeah, kind of thing? What are the defenders that? That's yeah. He's he's made a he's made more tackles this season than Mustafi Otamendi, and he's like made double the tackles than Chris Smalling. Chris Smalling has like 32 tackles or something like that. And uh, that's crazy because Otamendi was uh, enlisted into the. PFA team of the year. You should have had Firmino when I sent that back inside of him. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, my moment of the month is kind of like a, a double thing. Like Wolves got getting promoted to the Premier League is a great thing, and but the main thing is Ruben Neves's goal last week or the week before. I can't remember when it was. Um, when the ball was whipped in from a corner and it was headed out, he just flicked the ball from his left with his right foot out to the right hand side of his <coughs> right hand side of his body, and then just pinged it into the top left corner from about thirty five yards. Uh, Beautiful goal, um, definitely goal of the season for the championship. 
Uh, yeah, so congratulations to us. Right, I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in if you made it this far. Um, and sorry if this one ran over a little bit. Just come up to the visit, business end of the season. There's just so much to talk about. And the last two weeks, there's just been so much going on with like the Champions League, the Premier League, teams winning, play, uh, team of the year being announced. Um, and League of Ireland is really heating up as well. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening. And this has been Golem Out Episode 5. Cheers, thanks. Thanks.